we're going to have good church today one way or another. I'm going to use that later on in my message today. And not to beat anybody with. Um, if you would, turn in your Bibles very quickly to Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter number 2, verses 6 and 7. The apostle writes to the church at Colossae and he says this. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him and established. Thank you, bud. And established in the faith as ye have been taught. Abounding. Everybody say abounding. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. This is Vision Sunday, and I am preaching to you today. I don't know that I really have a title per se. There we go. I am preaching to you today about the four things that this church needs to make sure it does this year. And that is love, grow, serve, and go. <coughs> we need to love, we need to grow, we need to serve, and then we need to go. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? God bless you. You may be seated. When the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Colossae, he is, he is a little bit disappointed um, because he would prefer, he says, to be with you. He says, I wish that I could be with you in person. He said, I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit. Joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. We must all understand and we must all learn the value of being steadfast in the faith. We must be steadfast in the faith. You will not be successful if you are not steadfast in the faith. You will suffer spiritually if you are not steadfast in the faith. Your family will suffer if you are not steadfast in the faith. You and I must give this thing called living for Jesus Christ everything that we have. This is not, a, this is not something that you can give a token commitment to. And this is not something that you can give a partial commitment to. There are some things in life that deserve every bit of your devotion and every bit of your commitment. Um, anybody have a favorite restaurant in here today? Anybody have favorite restaurants? Um, you know, I kind of split my loyalty between restaurants. I've got some favorites. I Although there's a couple of them, I'm, they're kind of on the bubble for me right now. I'm 
I'm praying they get their act together. If they don't get their act together, I'm going to take their candle out. of. I'm going to do like the Lord is. I'll take your candlestick away from you. I'm going to take their favorite status out of my list of restaurants. Um, there's restaurants I really enjoy going to around town. Some of y'all know them. There is a place. There is a land that flows with milk and honey. And with, and with Louisiana rub wings. It is called Wingstop. And they have those fries. I don't know what's on those fries. It may be an illegal substance because they are really addictive. And uh, my, my daughter, I don't know where she got this term from, but she calls them hot fries. Um, I, I don't know where she got that, but if Nora hears that I'm going to swing by Wingstop to get some food, she begs Daddy. It don't matter if she just ate. A lot of times they've already had supper at the house, and I'm coming in late or something. And if she hears Mom on the phone tell, saying something to Dad, I, and she says, Will you tell Daddy to get me some hot fries? And So I have to get Nora an order of hot fries. If Asher hears that I'm getting wings, Asher says, Dad, I want some wings. And that kid has a hollow leg, and, and he eats and eats and eats, and they love that. And, and I've got those places that I have, uh, they are high on my list. El Acapulco is one of them. I like to eat at El Acapulco, and that has become the standard bearer. And some of y'all are Casamaya folks and different, so uh, that's good too. El Acapulco's been my favorite place. Uh, my daughter... Uh, that's become her standard bear. Um, if we go somewhere and we're out of town and we go to eat at a Mexican restaurant, she wants to know if they have cheese dip like El Acapulco. Because if it's not like theirs, she don't want it. And, um, and different places around town. I ate at a place I hadn't eaten in a long time uh, the other day in a meeting with Brother Terry and, and Drew and Savannah for Hyphen. We swang by McAllister's. And I got that. I'm just getting y'all's appetite ready for later, okay? <laughs> I just realized what I'm doing. I'm have to. Y'all are gonna be real disappointed when we bring out the communion in a little while. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, I'm calling a fast. <laughs> I got one of those Spud Maxes. It's a great big potato, and it has all the meat on it. And, uh, and I put queso on it, and I put jalapenos on it. And, and it was very... Anyway, I'm, I, I need to get on track here. I just I found a vein that I felt it felt good, but I've, I've determined it wasn't the Holy Ghost. It was, <laughs> it was my flesh that was leading me down that way. There's some things I can split allegiance to, and restaurants is one of them. But there are some things you and I cannot afford to split our allegiance on. Let me tell you right now, parents and families, husbands and wives. Let me tell you right now, you can't afford to split your devotion when it comes to your family. They deserve all of your devotion. They deserve every bit of your commitment. They deserve you when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Your spouse deserves your love when you feel like you love them and when you don't feel necessarily like you love them. They deserve your complete commitment and devotion. And the Lord deserves, Paul said, our complete commitment and devotion. He said 
though I'm absent in flesh, I am with you in spirit. And I joy beholding your order. I joy beholding the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He said, so therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Let me tell you something. When the Lord came to you, and when Jesus allowed you to receive him, he did not give you some small measure, but he gave you the fullness of everything you needed to get from here to over there. He gave you every bit of him. He gave you every bit of his commitment. He gave you every bit of his devotion. He gave you every bit of his steadfast faithfulness. That is why he went to the cross of Calvary. And when he hung on that cross, it was because he was giving truly all that he could give. And Paul said, as you have received him, so you should walk in him. That means that you and I should give the Lord everything we have. You don't need to give God your leftovers. And you don't need to give God what is extra. You need to give God your first commitment. And you need to give God your best commitment. And you and I need to be faithful to Him in all manner of things. And I understand we have lives. And I'm not talking about not having a life. But I am talking about prioritizing your life. And understanding what really matters. And understanding what doesn't matter. And there's some things that really don't matter. All they're going to do is be a weight or a sin that's going to drag us down. And when we get to the other side, we're going to have great regret when we stand before the Lord. If we did not give him a complete commitment and our total devotion that he truly, truly deserves. Let me tell you, not only does he deserve it. But I don't know why I'm on this kick today, but I'm going to preach it while I'm here. My family deserves for me to be totally committed to the Lord. The greatest thing I can do for my family. The greatest thing I can do for my son. We have a good time. We went yesterday. We, we had to run to Springfield, and Missouri, and had to be there early in the morning. And so we got up very early, and he went with me. And, and we had a good time, and we laughed, and we cut up, and he told me things, and and uh, he, he told me things that I, I, I'm, I just wish my son wasn't old enough to tell me, you know. <laughs> he's just growing up. He's, he's getting older. And I wish he was still too young to be talking about some of that stuff. And, and you parents know how it is. You, you just want them to stay little. And, right. and we had a good time. And he's my buddy. And, and we, we go places. We ride horses together. He's turning into quite the little horseman. Dad's proud of him. And. And we're going to have a good time doing that as the years go on, Lord willing. And, and we got uh, rides we'll go on. And I can't tell you as a dad, you know, the, the part of me hanging out with my kids, how much I enjoy that, how much I look forward to that. Nora, I don't know what's going on. Something's happened. The Lord's breaking some walls down in her life. And, and uh, that, that little standoffish she's had towards dad, I'm seeing that begin to crumble. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for whoever's been fasting for us. And, and uh, she's been coming up, crawling in Dad's lap more often, and loving on Daddy, and and uh, and she knows how how much Dad loves it. Now I might be messing it up because I've started trying to get her again to tell me she loves me more than Mommy, but and uh, she just she will not do it. She will not do it. And uh, now she just gets a little grin on her face if I ask her if she loves Mommy more than Daddy, though. So. <sighs> 
I'm going to get through that with the help of the Lord, but she's been letting me love on her more, and I enjoy those times. There's, there's nothing like, can I get an amen from a daddy that says there's nothing like when that little girl comes crawling up on your lap, and you get to cuddle them up, and oh my goodness, there's something special about that, and I enjoy that. And I'm going to tell you, the greatest thing I can do for those two kids, if I really love them, the greatest thing I can do for Asher is not to take him on a horseback ride. The greatest thing I can, watch out, let me preach, but. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll go do that. The greatest thing I can do for him is not to get him on a horse. It's not to get him in a deer stand. The greatest thing I can do for you, Asher, is to bring you into this place and teach you how to worship God and teach you how to love God. That's the greatest thing I can do for you. The greatest thing I can do for my family is to show them how to be faithful to the house of God, to the things of God. There is nothing like that kind of steadfast faithfulness. Paul said, you've got that. I want you to keep walking in it. And and he said, I want you to do this. Be rooted and built up in him. Be established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. There's a lot of people who who may would amen everything I preached up to this point. And, And they are faithful. They love God and they're faithful to God. And they come to church and, and, and they're faithful in tithe and offering and other things that may seem uh, to go along with that. But they're not abounding in their walk with God. They, they know how to come to church, but they don't necessarily know what it means to be involved in the ministry of the kingdom of God. I think it is so important that we come to the understanding that ministry is not just what takes place behind this pulpit. Ministry is not just what the pastor does, but ministry is not just what somebody with a license to preach is called to do, but ministry is what everybody in this room, under the sound of my voice, is called to do. God has called you to ministry. God has called you to ministry, and he has called us all to ministry. So I want to preach with that in mind today, that everybody in this room is called to ministry. And I want to preach from those Four points, and I'll be very quick with these, Lord willing. I'm going to get through these fast because I know we've got things to do. But the first one I need to preach to you about is that word love. Everybody say love. If you would put Matthew 22 and 34 on the screen for me, please. Matthew 22 and 34, and I'm going to read down through uh, perhaps verse number uh, 40. Matthew 22, verse number 34, the scripture says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus didn't hesitate. Jesus didn't have to think about it. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. But Jesus did not stop there. Jesus did not even hesitate. He just kept on. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law 
and the prophets. So I preach to you today that it is time that we make sure that we are loving the way we are supposed to be loving. We need, first of all, to love God. Everybody in this room needs to love God. Everybody in this room needs to find a newfound appreciation and love for God. The Lord told Ephesus, I keep preaching about them, bringing them up, but the Lord told them in Revelation 2, He said, you've done a lot of good things. You've got doctrine. You have kept my name. You are contenders for the faith once delivered to the saints. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Do you hear that? It was a great church that held on to doctrine. It was a great church that held on to the name of Jesus. But he said, I've got a little bit against you. That is, you have left your first love. And he told them, he said, you can get your doctrine right and you can get the name of Jesus right. But if you don't get love right, then I'm going to remove your candlestick. That lets me know it's about more than us having an, uh, a, a knowledge inside of our heads about what all this is about. It's about more than me putting information inside of my head. It's about more than me memorizing verses of Scripture. But I have got to love the Lord with everything that is inside of me. I've got to love God with a love, he said, that makes the love you have for everything else look like hate. You've got to have a love for me that is deeper. You've got to have a love for me that is stronger than anything else. And I am telling this church today, we must love God. Oh, pastor, but I do love God. Do you? Do you really love God? Because when, the, when we love something, we tend to give ourselves to it, don't we? When we love something, we tend to give ourselves over to that thing completely. Whatever it is, we tend to just absolutely dive into it. How many of us are diving into the things of God? If you love God, you will be in His Word. If you love God, you will understand doctrine and you will make it a point to get that inside your heart. If you love God, you will love the name of Jesus. If you love God, you'll love gathering together in His presence with the fellowship of other believers. Those are things you'll do if you love God. If you love God, you'll put Him first in your finances. That's what we do when we love God. If we love God like we say we do, then we'll put Him first. And I know sometimes we slip in one or some of those areas, but I'm here today to call you back to your first love. And I'm here today to preach to you and tell you, you and I must love God. It's the great commandment. But the second is like unto it. And that is that we would love our neighbor as ourself. I've got to love my neighbor just like I love myself. I've got to look out for my neighbor like I look out for myself. We've got to love people, folks. If we don't love people, we're not the church. I said, if we don't love people, we're not the church. And if we love to come worship, if we love to come shout, if we love to come clap our hands, and we love to come sing our songs and, and have our little Holy Ghost time, but we don't know how to love people, we're missing it. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? I said, you're missing it. If you can raise your hands and you can get excited and you can tell me about all the latest, greatest songs, but you can't love a sinner who's dying and going to hell 
If you can't love your brother or your sister on the pew across from you, if you can't do that, you've missed the whole point of this thing because the second commandment is likened to the great commandment, and that is that we must love uh, our neighbor as we love ourselves. That is why Paul said, Though I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, and I have not love, I am but sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Paul said, I'm as learned as could possibly be. He said, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. I was Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was trained. I am knowledgeable. You won't find anybody really probably that has any better understanding of the Scripture than I do. That's why the Lord used him to bring in Old Testament Scripture and write about it in the New Testament and give us principles and precepts to live by as the church in in this New dispensation. That's why God used him. Because Paul knew those things. He was, underst- he, he was a, a man of an understanding mind. He said, but it don't matter any of those things. He said, it doesn't matter how much understanding I have. If I don't have love, it is sounding brass. And it is tinkling cymbals. The Lord spoke in John, 34 and, uh, John 13, 34 and 35. And he said this. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. Look, we always quote that verse, but look at verse 34 again. A new commandment I give to you, you love one another as I have loved you. That's how you are to love one another. Let me ask you a question. How did Jesus love you? Did he love you when you were miserable? Did he love you when you didn't have anything together in your life? Did he love you when your heart was wrong? Did he love you when you were, when you were saying one thing but you were doing another thing? And living a hypocritical life? Did he love you when you were at your worst? Did he love you when you didn't have any fruit of the Spirit showing in your life? You just knew that somehow you wanted to get connected to the Lord and he loved you anyway. And and we think we're going to make people jump through hoops in our lives to get our love. We can't do it. We can't do it. If I'm going to tell you right now, I'm preaching. I'm preaching strong, and I've got to move here because I don't need this to be a series. I've got to preach this in one message today. But please hear me right now. If we have ought against our brother, our sister, and we are holding things against them, trying to whether we are holding them hostage, trying to manipulate them, or whether they don't have a clue about it, and we're just harboring something inside our heart against them, and every time we're around them or their name comes up, we get a bad attitude about them, I'm going to tell you right now, you've missed it. I'm going to tell you right now, you're not right with God. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. I want you to love that person just like I loved you. Because I loved you when you weren't worth loving. I loved you when you didn't do anything that was deserving of my love. I'm going to tell you what the Lord's done for me. He's loved me through a whole lot of things that nobody else probably would have wanted to love me through. God's loved me when I was not 
faithful. He's loved me when I was not consistent. He's loved me when I was saying one thing and doing another thing. He's loved me when it was not where it should have been in my life. God has loved me. Can you love me that way? And can I love you that way? And can you love your brother that way? And can you love your sister that way? If we can't, we have missed it. And the Lord is calling us to love. Everybody shout love. Love. Love God. Love your neighbor. The second thing that we've got to do this year is we must grow. This is my candy stick. We have got to grow. This is the thing that I tend to want to focus on. As a pastor, I want to see people grow. There's three ways we need to grow. The first one is this. We must grow spiritually. What do you mean by growing spiritually? I mean it is imperative this year. There is no, there is no other option this year. But you must grow in prayer. You must grow in sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. And you must grow in hunger and in passion for God. You must grow. We need you to grow spiritually. We need prayer warriors in this church. And I thank God we've got some in this church. Are you thankful for our prayer warriors today? They deserve a hand clap of appreciation. We've got prayer warriors in this church, and I could name names, and I'm not going to go into that right now. But I'm going to tell you, I thank God for each one of them and what they mean to us. I thank the Lord there's people calling my name and your name every single day. I thank God there's people lifting us up. And when you're going through something, and I get calls from people sometimes, and they heard a prayer request in church or in prayer meeting. And they say, i just w- been praying about that. How is that individual doing, Pastor? Could you give me an update? And it always amazes me when somebody does that. And it's, and it's been some time that's gone by. And I think that's just awesome that, that, that we've got people praying for them in their situation. They don't even know they're praying for them. Maybe I should pick up the phone and call that individual and let them know about it. I don't know. But, but they're praying for you and I. And we need people to grow in their prayer life this year. We need prayer warriors in this church that know how to tear down the gates of hell. We need prayer warriors in this church that know how to reach into the Spirit and to pave the way for God's presence to move where it wants to move. We need prayer warriors that will get down on their knees and they will believe God and intercede on our behalf for healing in our bodies, for healing in our spirit, for healing in our minds. We need people to grow not just in uh, spirituality, but we need the people that will grow in Bible knowledge. Hosea 4 and 6, the scripture said, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The Lord said, I've got people, they don't have any knowledge, and it's causing them to be destroyed. If you do not grow in Bible knowledge, you will be destroyed. The touch you get in this service today is only going to last you so long. At some point, you've got to have something with, with meat on the bones to fall back on. You've got to have something that is solid and steadfast. That's why this is, this is one individual right here. I'm not the greatest theologian in the world. I don't nearly think I am. There's a whole lot of things about this Bible I still don't understand yet. I'm trying to learn it. I'm trying to, to, to know it. But I'll tell you one thing. I'll go anywhere and I'll talk to anybody. I'm not worried about being backed up in a corner about what I believe. 
You know why? I gave myself to studying this book. Not just because I'm a pastor, but because I wanted to be saved. And I wanted to have something to stand on. Not, not have to direct somebody to my pastor, my dad. And, and not direct somebody to someone else. I wanted to be able to stand on the Word of God. And you need to grow this year in Bible knowledge. You need to grow this year in fruit. There needs to be fruit of the Spirit that would grow in your life. You need to grow in love, joy, kindness, peace, temperance, long-suffering, all those things. You've got to grow in them. There is no other option. It is imperative. You've got to do it. You've got to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And I'll tell you this, too. We need to grow in sanctification. What does that mean? We need to grow in being separated to God. We need to grow in the area of holiness. And, and this year, you need to make it a point. Lord, grow me in my sanctification toward you. Grow me this year. What do you mean by that? I thought, I thought that was a one and done thing. No, it's not. Sanctification is con- to progress. It's to be continual. That's why it's called sanctification. It's the act of being sanctified. And every year that goes by, we must grow in sanctification. It is a fruit that must be born in our lives. The third area today that I'm preaching is we must learn to serve. Everybody say serve. We've got to learn how to serve. We serve God through worship. We serve God through worship. If you would give me Luke chapter number 4, verses 5 through 8. Luke 4, verses 5 through 8. And I've got a lot of scriptures today, and I'm not... I'm not nearly hitting all of them because I don't have time. Luke 4, 5 through 8 says, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written that... Now watch this. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. God equates worship to service. And we must serve God. So we serve God through worship. You and I don't have any excuse to withhold our worship from the Lord, folks. It's not my personality. I'm sorry, that doesn't cut it. It's not my way to lift my hands, or it's not my way to worship the Lord. I'm sorry, that doesn't cut it. It's all of our personalities once we're born into the kingdom. We get a new nature, and worship has to be something we give to God. And I want to commend this church. This church has been a worshiping church, and I thank the Lord for it. And if you haven't been around the past several weeks and months and felt the worship that comes up from this place, something's wrong with you. I know we're packed in here and people can't always run the aisles and all that stuff. Some, and, and worship isn't just running aisles. And worship isn't just ha- having, having uh, a shout down. That's all, that can be part of it. And I'm not preaching against that. I want to have those things. So I'm cool with all that. What I am telling you is, I know we're tight in here, and it would be a literal, and we couldn't even walk through the doors this morning shaking hands and visiting people with just a portion of us without clogging up these two aisles. Did y'all notice that? 
We couldn't even do that. So if everybody gets out and decides to run the aisles, we got problems. We got problems. If everybody decides to get out and do the huckabuck, we got problems. We ain't got the room. And, I, and so I understand that. But I'm going to tell you what. There has been a tremendous spirit of worship in this church. And I have felt it and I've experienced it and I'm glad to be a part of it. I prayed, Lord, when we came here to start the church, I prayed, God, because we had been in some red hot, come here, Asher. We'd been in some red hot apostolic church services before we got here. And my little nine month old son, before we came, I, I, got, I, I, I got him in my arms one Sunday and we worshiped around the front of the church. I can't pick him up now. He's about as tall as I am. And, uh, and I don't want to embarrass him today trying to pick him up. Excuse me, I don't want to embarrass myself today. <laughs> trying to pick him up. But I held Asher in my arms that day. And I, I worshiped the Lord with him across the front. He don't remember it, but I do. And I was just trying to get him in that kind of environment. Because I didn't know when we'd have it. But thank God we've got a worshiping environment in this church today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And I can't tell you what it does to this dad when I look and my son's down here raising his hands and singing songs of Zion and he's coming down to the altar and praying. I cannot tell you what it does to this dad. Thank you, buddy. I want this to be a worshiping church. We serve God through our worship. But we're not just called to serve God. We are called to serve others. And we serve others through ministry. Galatians chapter 5 in verse 13, if you'd give me Galatians 5, 13, and then if you'd be ready to go to John 13 and 5 in just a moment. Galatians 5, 13, and then John 13, 5. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. The Lord is calling us to serve each other. God's calling us to serve each other. Um, we haven't had foot washing in this church, and I'm not going to get into a debate with you about whether we're going to do it or not. Listen to what I'm saying right now. We, I have no problem with doing foot washing, but I've got a tremendous problem with people who want to do foot washing, but they won't go to the church and help somebody else do something else that needs to be done so that we can minister to people. If, because that's the practical part Jesus was trying to get them to understand. He said, when, if I do this to you, you ought to do it to one another. He, what was he saying? He said, if I would serve you, you've got to serve one another. And I've got to serve you. And you've got to serve me. I thank God for servants in this church. I've been doing something lately. I've been trying to catch pictures every once in a while of people who do who just serve in this church. And I'll post a picture of them and, and on social media and I'll put a little caption with it. Why why are you doing that? Are you trying to are you picking favorites in the church? No, Lord willing, I'll get to everybody. Uh, I, I'm just I'm just taking advantage of an opportunity when it presents itself because I want this church to understand how this pastor values us serving one another. Thank you, Tim. I'll pick on you because you were the last one I did. Thank you, Tim. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, I came to the church, and, and Tim was coming in, and he was trying to help get some things together. He was helping the ladies. Yesterday, he went and helped the ladies do music uh, for the ladies' meeting in Harrisburg, and he wanted to come up here and do some practicing. And while he was 
when he finished getting some of that together, um, he was he said, is there anything I can do, Pastor? And he was going around. He picked up trash between the chairs and and he grabbed a I didn't ask him to. He went and grabbed the vacuum cleaner and he was vacuuming areas like this where we get a lot of traffic out in the front and, and trying to make sure the place looked presentable and and uh, did all kinds of different things that uh, that day. And and I was in my office as I was trying to finish preparing my my lesson for Wednesday night and I could hear him I heard that vacuum cleaner turn on I said thank you Lord for sending servants to our church thank you God we got people who give it everything they've got uh I, I thank God Sister Annette thank you uh and and your husband and uh Sister Delilah who came over and helped you some thank you for cooking pies the other day how many pies did you cook 132 fried pies sold them all isn't that great? Could have sold more. I went and got mine early. I told Brother Shay, pastoring can be a hard business sometimes. Somebody's got to do it, you know. They gave me, they let me know they had some, so I went and got some before they sold them all at that ladies' meeting. 132 pies. It, you don't cook 132 pies in 30 minutes. It takes a little bit of time and effort and preparation and clean up and all that stuff. And if I hadn't have said nothing right now, none of these people, probably most of the, 98% of these people wouldn't have had a clue what you did. But you didn't do it for me to say something right now. And I thank you for that. We've got to serve one another. And if, and if, if I, come on, it's great to serve God and worship. But we don't just serve God and worship. We do that and then we serve one another. Because that's what God has called us to do. We are the body of Christ. This is our obligation. Uh, where is your brother Cain? Am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question is yes, you are. You are your brother's keeper. Look out for your brother. Love your brother. Serve your brother. It is what we must do. I move quickly today. The final thing is go. Everybody say go. Go. We must love. We must grow. We must serve. And then we must go. How do we go, Pastor? We go with the truth. Somebody say amen. We go with the truth. We don't go with a watered-down version of it. But we go with the pure, unadulterated truth of the Word of God. We go with the full gospel. It's the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. Go with the truth. Don't go trying to trick somebody. Don't go trying to, to, to uh, slip in through the back door. Go with the truth. Believe what you say. Hold on to what you believe. Not only do we go with truth, we go through missions. And I've got verses I was going to read for all this. I don't have time to do it today. But we go through missions. Paul told one church at Corinth, he said, let me tell you about a church. They went. They didn't even have the money to do it. But they went by giving. They gave an offering they didn't even have to give. They gave it because they believed in the power of go. We must Go, that's what Jesus told us to do. Go ye, therefore, into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We must go. That's why this church gives to missions. 
We give to home missions. We give to foreign missions. We give to all kinds of missions. We give to Tupelo Children's Mansion. We give to all kinds of things. Some of our offerings that we give get split into so many different ways. What are we doing that for? To get our name on the board? No, we're doing that because it's part of the command to go. We go through missions. And then thirdly, we go by testimony. It's time some of us open up our mouths and start testifying about what God has done in our lives. I wonder right now, is there anybody in this room that has a testimony of the goodness of God in your life through the years? Something he's done for you. We go by our testimony and we go by real world application. You look for opportunities to go. And you and I know when we're doing it. And you and I know when we're not doing it. And I'm not going to sit here today and give you a list of ways to go. You know how to go. I know how to go. We just need to simply get up and do what God has told us to do. And go. So I'm asking you today. How do we measure up in these four areas? Revelation 11 and 1. The scripture says, and there was given me a reed like a rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure three things. The temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. The angel told John, he said, I'm giving you this reed. He said, it is a Form of measurement. And I want you to measure the temple of God, the altar, and them that worship therein. Why are you preaching this message today, Pastor? Why are you casting this vision? Let me tell you why I'm preaching about love, grow, serve, go. I'm preaching this because one day the Lord is going to come among us and the Lord is going to begin to take measurements in all of our lives. We are not too far away from the coming of the Lord. And one of these days, we're going to be measured just like John was told to measure. And when the measuring line is laid upon you and I, I don't want to be found wanting. I don't want to come up short. I want to be right with God. So we better be careful that we measure right now if we want to measure up then. So what are you measuring? He said, well, first thing you ought to measure is the temple. Measure the temple. Find out just how your temple measures up. Is it as tall as it needs to be? Is it as broad as it needs to be? Is your temple big enough to let anybody in? Does your temple allow people to come in that don't look like you? How big is your temple? Does your temple allow people to come in that aren't the same color that you are? How big is your temple? Does your temple allow people to come in they don't come from the same culture that you come from? How big is your temple? How big is your temple? Does your temple allow people that don't speak the same language as you to come in? Can they get through the doors of your temple? How big is your temple, Sanctuary Church? Does your temple allow people to come in? Maybe they're living in sin. Does your temple allow people who are living in sin, and you know it, and they know you know it, to come in here? How big is your temple? 
Is y'all, let me ask you a question, Sanctuary Church. Is your temple big enough to allow people who, don't, who, who have homosexual lifestyles to come in here and try to find God? Do we have a big enough temple to let those people come in here? Do, you have, do we have a big enough temple that it doesn't matter who they are and where they come from and what baggage they're carrying with them? Do we have a big enough temple to let them get through the doors? Because this place is going to be measured one of these days. And I don't want the temple to be found lacking. Not only should you measure the temple. You've got to measure your altar. How big is your altar? Is your altar big enough to accept the sacrifices that God is wanting you to put upon it? That's the reason some people never sacrifice the things in their life God tells them to. Because they never built a big enough altar to fit their sacrifice on the altar. You're going to do it. If you're going to make the sacrifice God wants you to make, you're going to have to have a big altar to do it. Let me tell you, everybody wants the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, let's have the Ark of the Covenant in our church. Let's have signs and miracles and wonders. Let's have the power and glory of God. Yeah, we want the ark. But did you know the ark could fit inside of the altar? You limit the size of the ark when you limit the size of the altar. If you want a big ark, you're going to have to have a big altar. God's coming to measure our altars. Where's your altar measure up, sanctuary? Husband, father... Where's your altar measure up? Wife, mother, where's your altar? Child, young person, young adult, where is your altar? And the third thing, he said, measure them that worship therein. Measure those people who claim to live for God. Brother Jimmy, would you help me today? Measure those people who claim to live for God. And this is what ought to scare us more than anything else in all the world. Is that one of these days, God's measurement is going to be laid on us. And God's going to measure you, Jimmy. And he's going to say, let me see how you measure up. I gave you 66 books of the Bible. I gave you all of this so that you could apply the pattern of it to your life. Now I'm coming. I want to see how you measure up. I want to see if you're what you're supposed to be. Measure them that worship therein. Do you just know how to come to church or are you really a part of the church? Do you know how to clap your hands or do you know what it is we're clapping our hands for? Do you know how to shout and dance or do you have a purpose for shouting and dancing that's beyond an emotional high in a church service? I want to measure you and I'm telling you today we better get ready because we are not too far away from the days in which the Lord is going to send the measuring stick into our lives. So I preach today. It's time we love. It's time we grow. It's time we serve. And it's time we go. This church is as great a church as you could possibly want to have. This church is as great a church as we could possibly want. I love this church. 
Everything I've been preaching today, we're pretty good about it for the most part in this church. I love this church, but let me tell you something. We'd better be careful we don't get content with our good church. And we neglect to become the great church that God wants us to be. It doesn't mean everything's always going to go perfect. doesn't mean we're never going to have issues to, to sort our way through. doesn't mean those things. But it does mean that we've got a church that is focused on the vision that God has given us. And we are headed somewhere. So from now on, this is what is going to be our church's mission statement. We've simplified it for you tremendously. We've made it real easy for you. All you got to do is memorize these four words. Love, grow, serve, and go. And everything we do in this church is going to be filtered through those four things. Everything we do is going to be about one of those things. And we are getting ready to do things in this church. We've got it, we've got it set. We've been waiting for this. We are ready to go. And I am begging and pleading that the people under the sound of my voice will get involved with what God has called this church to be involved with. And we will be the church that God wants us to be. Because one of these days, this is going to be laid upon me. One day, God's measuring stick will be laid across my life. How will I measure up? One day, God's measuring stick is going to be laid across my altar. How will my sacrifice have measured up? One day, God will measure this church. How? Will this church measure up? We must heed the word of God. If you're here today and you believe what I'm preaching, I wonder if we could just close our eyes, lift our heads toward heaven, maybe our hands, and we could begin to ask the Lord to move in among us and talk to us right now. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. Lord, when you measure us, let us not be found wanting. They called Daniel one night. They said, you're needed in the banquet hall of Belteshazzar. Daniel came into the hall. The king's knees were knocking. Because something supernatural had just happened. That hand had come out and written on the wall. Many, many, Tikal, Ufarsen. What does it mean, he asked. Nobody knew. So the king's mother sent for Daniel and here he comes. His knees knocked that day because he knew that there had been a judgment laid. Daniel, what does it say? Daniel said, King, it says, you have been weighed 
in the balances. And you have been found wanting. And this night, your kingdom is taken from you. A man who was measured and didn't measure up. The Lord is here today to tell you and me, get ready for that day in which I will measure you and you will be weighed in the balance. Get ready for that day. Because on that day, I want to be a part of that number that is the bride of Christ. I want to work in his kingdom, folks. I want to give him everything I've got. Not just to preach sermons as your pastor, but I want to give him everything I've got to reach a lost and dying world. To that end, I want to love, grow, serve, and go. If there is anybody in this room today that feels the way I'm feeling, would you just slip your hands toward heaven where you are and let's begin to ask God to help us. Let's ask God to help us. I know I've hit some of our areas in our lives today. The Lord has prompted me when I did it. Please, whatever spoke to you in this sermon today, in this message, please get a hold of it right now. Come on, would you pray right now? Matter of fact, why don't we just lean our heads forward or something? If you want to kneel at your seat, you can. But why don't we just begin to repent and pour out right now if there's anything in our life that's not right as we prepare to take communion today. God, any area that I'm needing to repent, I'm coming to you today. And I'm asking you, Lord, let my altar be big enough to lay this sacrifice upon If you need to increase the size of your altar today, why don't you do do that? Why don't you build on it right now? Why don't you build on it right now? Lord, how do I measure up? If the Apostle John were to come measure me as one of them that worship therein today. Lord, how would I measure up? How would you see me? What kind of man am I? Ladies, what kind of lady are you? Young person, young adult, young family. How are you doing this thing called life? How are you preparing your family? How are you preparing yourself for what God is calling you to do? Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, I'm asking Jesus, Lord, would you cleanse me of that? Let me be right with you. Let me be right with you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church, that's it. I I wish we'd lift our voices together right now. Could we do that? Lift our voices together.
Let there be a sound come up in Zion right now. Let there be a sound come up in Zion. Hear us today, Lord. Hear us today, God. Lift our voices.